We're, uh, you know, we did, we, um, we didn't hear the music. It might have been on, but we didn't hear it. So we, uh, we said, uh, let, let, let's come back. So we are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. My name is Tony Visick, and I will be your uh, erstwhile host for the next uh, uh, few minutes, few days, few months, few years, your entire life. Once you hear this voice, ladies and gentlemen, once this voice enters your ears, it will never leave again. Hold on. Hello? Hey, how are you? This is Ben Roy. Is this Ben Roy? This is Ben Roy. Because uh, we, we just want to make sure that we're actually talking to Ben Roy. This is. I know it's hard to believe me being such a Hollywood A-lister, but... There's been a uh, rash of uh, um, people calling this number and saying they're Ben Roy now for several I, months. And I know that, and, and we're on it. It's, we're, we're trying to get after it, but... You know, a lot of impersonators. It's hot this time of year. You know how it is. I know. Will the will the real Ben Roy please stand up? So now please stand up. Need, no, you needs. Yeah, <laughs> you're. We're already on. By the way, this is so. This is. This, <laughs> I figured. This, I figured. By the way, this was going. <laughs> we we dispense with any of the sort of preliminary pleasantries and just go. Let's just let's just do this. Ben Roy, how are you? My name's Tony Visick. If they didn't tell you, maybe they just gave a piece of paper. And go and and now you call this guy. We're taking you yeah, here. No, no, no. They told me your name, and uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty darn good, there, buddy. I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Uh, I know that you're doing well um, because you're going to be at. Uh, you are at. Uh, you may not be there right this moment, but where you're working this week is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, fifty three fifty East House. Right now, I've actually been sleeping in the showroom. I am dedicated to this craft. I sleep under the first three tables. I heard that. I heard that. You're like, yeah. Like those old showbiz <laughs> stories. The kid was raised. He was, he was, he was born in a trunk and they used to <laughs> Philadelphia, Newark, hack and sack. He's a, he's a product of a deep fret, fat fryer and a box office computer. I, my, those are my parents. <laughs> I used to be, that, that's how people got into live show business. Their parents, the, the mom was a fan <laughs> dancer and the dad was a, the, ga- the dad was a gag writer, and um, they took him on the yeah. road. Yeah, I'm the Ill- illegitimate love child of, the, of a back, uh, basket of chicken tenders and, <laughs> uh, and uh, a, a laminated menu. So, but it, it, you know, it was a love affair. <laughs> I don't see them much anymore. I miss my parents. Well, but, you, uh, you, you, you come out of uh, one of the, uh, the real Petri dishes of uh, stand-up comedy, the state of Maine. So, um, <laughs> a real bastion of humor. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it's like, it's, it, the place is just filthy with comics. It's just comic, oh, comic, dude, comic. Some of the funniest people on the planet. I mean, it, and they do this thing where they all get addicted to opioids. And I'm telling you, it is hilarious. It's, a, <laughs> it's one of the oldest gags and the rest of the country got in on it so no i'm yeah i'm from maine but i i i actually am i more i've been out west now for a while i live in denver and in los angeles most of the time so i've i've been to all of those places i i toured as a comic for like 15 years and actually one day i looked up and said where are we and they said maine i went huh i'll be damned yeah um, a warning sign you blow by on the sign of life on the on the road of life. When you end up doing comedy in Maine, it's time to just take a step back and reevaluate everything. It's a huge place, Maine. It's not like 
It's not like Rhode Island. No, 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 no. Yeah, not <laughs> Rhode Island. Let's be real. Rhode Island is just Providence. Like, it's <laughs> Providence. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Maine is, uh, you know, whatever. I, that's where my family is still from. They all talk terribly, and, and uh, they all talk like this, and they all still live up there, and they're all wicked upset I'm in Los Angeles. So but. I, don't, I don't think people really have a concept. I know you don't want to talk about Maine the whole time. Okay. No, no, it's fine. Okay, but people don't really have a concept of Maine. You know, it's like we have a con- if you've never been to Boston, you have a concept of Boston, or you've never been to New York or the South or or the West or Denver. You have a concept, of, but nobody Maine people. You go picture Maine. People go, I, I, I can't do it. So yeah, it, it it's yeah, mostly rural, right? Houses and Stephen King and stuff like that, and lobster and butter. But uh, <laughs> you know, Conan O'Brien called called Maine the deep south of the far north. And, <laughs> and there is no better way of, of referring to New England, uh, Maine, and it, it, than the deep south of the far north. I didn't grow up on the coast. I grew up in hot, like, and freezing cold, buggy inland Maine. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely not what people expect. It's beautiful, but it's very Stephen King. It's very dark. And very horror-like. <laughs> the woods are lovely, dark and deep. Did we, as a kid, were you growing up? Did you go? Were you? Because I've talked to other people. Not everyone, but they'll say, as a kid, I looked around, and went, I got to get out of here. I don't belong. I don't oh. belong here. Oh yeah. I mean, were you from a small town? Did you grow up in a small town? I started out in the in the inner city of uh, St. Louis, in Old North St. Louis. But we always went out to the country. And then my dad moved us to Hell Spring, Missouri, when I was ten. And I went, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. This is yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like, you know, everybody knows everything and like, you can't, like when I lived in Maine, you did, you know, if, if I was like, nah, I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try not eating meat anymore. They'd be like, no, you're not. What are you, what are you doing? You weirdo. <laughs> you, what are you, queer or something? They would just, <laughs> you know what I mean? So people, uh, any improvement, any improvement in your personal life was deemed yeah, homosexual. I want to try. Yeah. yeah. Like. Oh, did you hear they opened up a yoga studio? What are we losing our minds here? <laughs> what you are know, we queer? So like, <laughs> what, are, what are they doing? What are these fruits doing? <laughs> so I, you can't, uh, you got to get out of there eventually. I think I'll have salad. What are you queer eating salad? What are you queer? Yeah, that's, that's New England. <laughs> totally, uh, yeah, when I was 19, I had 80 bucks. And remember Geostorms? Remember that car? I do remember Geostorm. Yeah. That first. Oh, wait a minute. That was a porn that, star. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're talking about a vehicle. <laughs> well, you remember Geostorm's first few films when she was with Vivid, but it went downhill. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. They, they, I, I left Maine in like a, with like 80 bucks and just drove to Boulder, Colorado. I, I've never really been to Boulder. I just. Isn't Boulder fantastic? It's beautiful, but it's it's a white person's Thunderdome for sure. It's definitely the, the whitest, weirdest place on the planet. But I came from Maine, which is the other whitest, weirdest place. So I kind of it was uh, it was an interesting change. But yeah, can I tell now, you now, when I was a teenager, I hitchhiked to Boulder and lived on the streets there. And we'd get up every. This is true. I was like 17, and I'd get up every morning and panhandle till I had enough money to buy a pitcher of beer and five white crosses and get my day going. So uh, 
I, I, the sink, there was a bar called The Sink, on uh, uh, an area oh, called The Hill. It, it was still there, man. It wow. was still there up until... I, I mean, I, it may, the sink may still be there. It's been there forever. Now, that's a real pro bar right there. We used to go party at the sink uh, pretty hard. And it sounds like you do it. You did as well if you were panhandling for, for, for pills and for alcohol. Pills that's and alcohol. Sweet. I wasn't even thinking food. I was 17. I, I go, I need to get a, a pitcher of beer was like two ninety five, and White Crosses were like 50 cents a piece. I go, so I didn't even have to be ambitious in my oblivion. Nah. <laughs> and there was a park down the hill. If you kept walking down, there was a big park with a bandstand, and I would crash oh, yeah. in that park. Oh, yeah. That's, see, that's what I'm talking about. At that age you were at, the human body can consume its own ego and survive for long <laughs> periods of time. <laughs> so you don't need anything other than alcohol. I was the same way. I used to – I used to. Uh, I had quite the pill problem, and it's, uh, that's a lot of fun. You know what I mean? That's good stuff. Pharmaceuticals and alcohol, that's the chemical equivalent of unreading books. It makes you so stupid. Were you, and, um, uh, were you the, my, um, because I, what I've read, and I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, maybe you do, what I've read about you, it said that you, you're rather open about the fact that at one point in your life you um, uh, had a more Epicurean lifestyle and then that you're now um, no longer indulge. Is that correct? Yeah, I will tell you, I don't know what Epicurean means. I think it's something to do with horses. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, hey, I if you get high enough, let's be honest. You go, you know what? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> no, I definitely was an, I, I was an alcoholic, and uh, I've been sober now for, for eight years. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, hey, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm just behaving as I should be. Did you get um, sober in Denver or in Los Angeles? Yeah, no, in Denver. I wouldn't want to do it in Los Angeles. Oh, I, that would be... I was living on Hollywood Boulevard when I got sober. I just went, all right, this is... Were you, know, you really, like, totally, like, street... 70... Well, I know I, I, had, I had a house and shit, but I, I had an apartment. But I lived at 7616 Hollywood Boulevard, which is if, oh. you're, if you're the Chinese theater and you're headed, like, west. So, um, yeah. and I lived catty corner of Orson Welles. I didn't know that until he died, and, and I go, who's that huge fucker to take under that big house? So, uh, <laughs> it looks like they're lifting someone out of a house by crane. Yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> goes, that was Orson Welles' house. I go, no kidding. You know? And I felt kind of good about it. Even though the man was dead, I go, that's eh, pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Right by I Fryman really... Canyon, which was, wasn't Fryman Canyon then. It was uh, known as Errol Flynn's old estate, and uh, there were satanic rituals up there. And my brother and I found oh. a dead body up there once. But now it's all about hiking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, which is a satanic ritual in itself. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I definitely got clean in Denver. I, I I and and I don't think I would have ever done anything with my life if I was still partying the way I was. I mean, I, I you know I would just. Well, now you're you're in a to, you're in a business of great substance and depth now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> truly. I mean. What what my what we do on our show is groundbreaking, and this allowed me to tap into something deep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I had to do it. You know, I got a kid, and I don't yeah. want him to grow up hating me. I want him to hate me for the right reason. The right reason for sober me. You know what I mean? Like, don't like me as a sober person. That's what I always say. Do whatever you can do uh, sober that you would do drunk. And uh, so how old's your kid? kid how old's your how old's your son? Uh, Hey, he'll be 14 in March, uh, so he's 13 and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so. a, I, I have a, I, I, I was at a, I was at a meeting on Hollywood and Gardner. So you know the neighborhood, right? You know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah, for sure. So there was a chair. Yeah. And uh, I, I like stuck. I used to, I'd be coming home from some drug run or whatever I was doing to my house, and there'd be all these people in the, and I'd be getting ready to go to bed, and it'd be like 9 a.m. or 7 a.m. These people standing in front of a church. They didn't like church people go, the fuck? What, are there a bunch of extras and making a movie? And it was like a meeting, catty corner from my house. <laughs> <laughs> The fuck? That's, that's not what church people. What a bad people, film man. they're making. Look at these actors. <laughs> yeah. They look, they look like me, only their eyes are open. Um, yeah. I heard no, some... They probably were extras, too, actually. <laughs> what do you smell? Yeah. These bikers in Hollywood Boulevard look like killers, and they were just all about doing, hi, how are you? What, what are extras in the next Hex Angels movie? <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a weird place. I couldn't... Did you... Is that where you got sober? Was out west? Yeah, I got sober. I was living in, I'd been living in Los Angeles. I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up yeah. in Missouri. And um, much like you, I, I was at a biker party. I was in my 20s. And I go, um, and we, they were celebrating this. He go, my old lady's having a baby. Now, it's not my baby, but she's still my old lady. And that was just, <laughs> anybody say shit about, you know, who did it? I'll handle him, but we're, tonight we're celebrating the baby. Yeah, to respect that. He wasn't like being mean to the kid, but if I stay here, I'm going to fucking die. And um, uh, so I, I, I did like, you know, I saved a little money and got rid of everything. And within a month, I was selling plasma in South Central LA. Uh, it was a glorious time. Oh, but um, I got sober in Hollywood, yeah. Days. <laughs> Selling plasma, and I'm gonna take it. You don't mean television. That's not no. some code for no. an electronic salesman. We're pushing a lot of plasma today. He doesn't mean flat screen. No. He means he was selling his own Blood. body parts. Well, here's the deal, though. Here's why I was doing it. This, this shows that I, within me, I was a responsible man because yeah. I had I, I had moved out there with with this girl from Saint. I go, I'm moving because I'm going with you. I go, eh, fuck. So, um. We had money, like enough money to buy like ragu and stuff, but um, uh, I didn't have my drinking money. So yeah. I would sell plasma and I tell her, I go, I go I'm going to do this, but that's going to be my drinking money. She goes, okay. And you can get drunk easier the day you sell plasma, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> and then I found out that if I recruited people, so then I had a bunch of white bread guys from the Midwest who'd moved to Hollywood to be famous. And I go, dude, you can make like 40 bucks. And I got 20. And I have like eight guys at a, at a plasma place in South Central LA selling plasma. And then I go get drunk at a place uh, called The Nest that isn't there anymore uh, at near Hollywood and Highland. <laughs> dude, I mean, you know you're a serious, a real drinker if you're removing blood platelets so that you can drink less beer. <laughs> but let's be honest, Ben. It's out because you're from Maine, because you're an alcoholic, you're listening going, that makes sense. It does make sense. Here's the hard part for me. I'm actually mad that I didn't think of it myself. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that's like, damn, that's smart. You know, I could have cut down on my drinking costs if I had just bloodletted myself a little bit <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> I never did. You know, like, I, like, bounced around a lot, but uh, I always, I did the let's just not eat, let's drink thing because... Really, I mean, there's carbohydrates in alcohol. And there you is. Can, you know, so you quickly learn, like, I can live off this. You know, have a bagel a day and then just alcohol, and I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, so. man. It actually feels... Do you remember for a while there was this... Uh, uh, they were trying... It, it, there was a campaign with beer where it was like a girl on the radio going, B-52, 
beer is food. Do you remember that? There was an actual campaign they tried to push for a while. <laughs> what year was this? It was just, I was already sober. I think it was like the 90s. And I'm going, what the, what the fuck are they? What are they saying? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look back far enough in ad campaigns, remember they had doctors hawking cigarettes being like, you know what I mean? Like Charleston. This is the brand that doctors. Yes, smoke. yes. But I want to ask yeah. you. I want to ask you because we've been talking a few minutes and I, you'll be the first one I talked to about this thought I had the other day. As I was reading about, you know, Donald Trump and his, his, his Twitter habit and all the stuff people do on social media, wasn't America a better place when we all smoked? Oh, you know what? I will argue. I've told my, I, I don't tell my son this, but like, I like smoking. I don't because I don't, uh, I, there's a huge history of cancer in my family. Yeah. Man, do I love I think everybody could use a smoke break. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Listen, usually you got pissed off. Like if you came over to my house, okay, like say that I, I had moved to Maine and I was doing like Maine shit and I was wearing like a flannel shirt and stuff and, and we were drinking buddies. <laughs> and you came over and you go, dude, Tony, I was at the bar and this one guy, he called your brother an asshole. And I go, and I go let's go kick his ass. I go, first, let's have a cigarette. And while we're smoking, you go, he's really big. I go, well, how big is he? You want a beer? Okay, get a beer. And we wouldn't go kick the guy's ass. Yeah. With Twitter. Yeah. But now, instead of smoking, people tweet. So as soon as you told me, I'd go on Twitter and go, hey, the big guy at the bar is a fucking punk. And then he'd come by and kill me. Yeah, or, or this. Similar, you, you, if you were in an argument or a debate with somebody about anything social, you'd get angry enough and you'd be like, ah, I'm going to go out now and have a cigarette. And then you'd go and smoke a cigarette and you'd come back and you'd cool off a bit. Now you go outside, you look at your phone, and it just keeps feeding your argument. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back and you're even more mad. You know, and that's the thing is, like, there's no break from it. I do think cigarettes while killing us all at an extremely, uh, you know, uh, pandemic rate. I do think it was probably better for our psyche. I really That's, think you're on to something with us. Well, what, and I'll, let's talk about relationships, all right? So now, now you, make, uh, you make sweet love, okay, to the woman of your dreams or some chick you met at an open mic. And, or um, my wife. Yeah, or your my wife, wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my, my wife is actually here producing the show, so. So, uh, and... and um, and actually laughing. So now I don't know if I like it or not, Ben, because she's not laughing when I talk. She's laughing when you talk, and it's fucking pissing me off. <laughs> it's like when my daughter was little, and I was doing the Riviera in Vegas, and the, uh, the guy who was in Back to the Future, what's his name, that plays the tuba, and he's a stand-up comic. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, a nice yeah. guy, and she's like six. She goes, he's funny, Dad. He's funnier than you. And I go, you're not coming to Vegas anymore. You're too young for yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. This is bullshit. Oh, well, that was cool. Now you can't go on vacations anymore. <laughs> but you think, you used to be, okay, so now nowadays you have sex with your wife. I'm willing to bet, on occasion at least, not too long after you either do one of two things, okay? You look at your phone or you fall asleep, mm-hmm. okay? But when we smoked... The first thing you did after sex was smoke. You both laid there smoking, and then you talked to her because you're smoking, and you can't. <laughs> and that helps solidify the relationship. <laughs> you lit each other's cigarette, you know. Maybe you lit yours off of hers, you know. Come with me to the Casbah. Now we're on the right phone, or we're passing out. There's a guy from Philip Morris listening to this right now who's like, see, he gets it. We were a tool. We Families were playing board games together. You know, Dad, when you could smoke inside, there was, you know, here's the thing. 
people people stayed in more. You could smoke and drink and terrorize your family from inside. I, I thing with it, it caused me to become uh, the president of a homeowners association because I couldn't smoke in my house. I had a. Really, this is a really interesting idea. I, I mean, truthfully, because think I, I don't know how many people I met by bumming cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you gotta. You know you gotta what I mean? It. Like, yeah. how many people? How many conversations did you get in there? You're never gonna be standing on the side of the road and be like, "Hey, can I get a pull off your phone?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a guy offer to kill someone for me one time while I was outside having a cigarette, and and I had to turn it down. But it's absolutely yeah. true. I lived next yeah. to a blood in uh, the West San Fernando Valley. I didn't. I didn't look for a house going, is there any Bloods or Crips? What is the Blood neighborhood? Okay, I like the Bloods more than the Crips. They're more organized. But, uh, and they are, to be honest with you, if you know anything about those people. But uh, there was a guy living next to me who was a Blood, and I, was, uh, and I couldn't smoke in my house. And even after my divorce, I had to say I was a divorce, but I go outside to smoke, and therefore I'm outside, and then they may be president of the Homeowner Association. They go, you must care about the neighborhood. He's always walking around. And... Um, then there was a blood living next to me, and I was dating an actress, and a director was trying to date her, and I really felt insecure and angry because he was a director, and I was a road comic. And, uh, and I was talking to this guy, Ronnie, and I go, you know, and I, I went outside, and I'm smoking, and I'm smoking fast. What are you doing? You're pissed off, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're doing that aggressive pull off the mouth, and I go, I, go, I just wish somebody killed this, I just feel like killed this son of a bitch. And Ronnie go, well, where he at? And I go, what? He go, he go, he go, just... Give me an address. <laughs> I go, and, and I knew the guy I killed. The first time I met him, he goes, my name's Ronnie. I just got out after murdering two people. I go, hey, nice to meet you, Ronnie. Um, and he goes, he goes, look, he goes, this is something I can do for you. <laughs> Whoa, crazy. <laughs> and I go, this an, an all from cigarettes. All from and cigarettes. <laughs> all from cigarettes. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, it brought communities together. Black and, and white together. Yeah, he gave me advice. Black. Then he told me, he goes, here's your problem. You're dating them actresses and all that drama shit. <laughs> yeah. Name one time Facebook has ever brought a blood and a struggling drug-addled actor together. <laughs> when did that, when never. Did that ever happen? It's never happened. But I tell you what, Camel did it. Yeah. They did it all the time. Marlboro <laughs> Light. Camel. Uh, were you, were you Lucky strike. Uh, you know, we, you end up at Marlboro Light. You start out, I start out stealing my mom's Paul Malls when I was seven. Yeah. You know, your mom would say, go to, go to, go to store, give me a pack, give me a pack. Tell them you want cigarettes, they know what kind I get, a confectionery on a corner. So I start out stealing Paul Malls and then, uh, you know, I went through all the phases and then eventually you're like, <laughs> you know, you're coughing stuff up. You go, maybe I should switch to a light cigarette. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Light cigarettes were the sketchers' shape-up of cigarettes. Like, it convinced people it was going to make their ass look better, you know, and they would be like, well, I'm smoking. Remember ultralights? Yeah. Like you, if, you, if you put your lips far enough up on the filter, it would just negate the ultralight <laughs> factor of it. You know, that, like, I love that. They convinced us all. I was like, no, I'm only smoking ultralights. <laughs> You know, and then it didn't do anything. I would just, I would just smoke more of them. But, <laughs> but I love, but I love the idea of of that. Like that's actually such a funny idea to me that like I really haven't thought about that. That like I really did talk to more people. Yeah. At bars when I smoked. Yeah. And 
and they weren't always good conversations. No. <laughs> we weren't Fulbright scholars or anything <laughs> like that, but but we bonded a little bit more. But yeah, that's a really funny idea that you'd never ask anybody, hey, you got an extra cell phone on you? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I need to... I need to log into my Twitter. <laughs> you got a USB yeah, stick that's on you. Fucking hilarious. So, uh, it, like, in, did you ever smoke? You, like, you're sitting around with people who are like, you know, you're kind of like out of your league as far as they're like more criminal than you, and, and they go, "You got a cigarette?" And you give them like one, and they look at it, and they tear the filter off of it. Oh, <laughs> you go, oh. dude! Oh my god, that that always scared me when people did that, and then they'd smoke the end forward. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, that, that's, 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 what are you queer? You're gonna you're gonna do some yoga after this? Oh, that's so funny. That's a really good premise. I mean, if you're still if you're if you get out and you do stand up again, that's just a funny idea. You know, I do it. I just don't tour anymore. I don't do it every night. I mean, how many years have you been like on the road now? On the road, about ten, maybe eight to ten. Um, depends on the year. I mean, I now have this TV show, so that. I took, you know, a couple of years off of hard touring just because it just, I, between the show, I can't, I can't be on the road. My life would destroy me. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, like on and off for about 10 years, but I mean, I, I, you know, if you were doing it, like you were saying for years and years and years, I mean, that, that it just takes time off your life. It, it it's People think it's a lot better than it is. <laughs> you it's know fun I mean? when you when you first do it. And you go. I remember being with the guys to be like an opening act, and they and they'd get up and and we'd be sitting in the living room, you know, smoking, watching cartoons, grown men yep. smoking, watching cartoons, eating McDonald's at eight a.m. And they go, so this is what you guys do. So when you've worked a straight nine to five, and then you see the lifestyle, you go, this is fucking great. And about ten years later, you go, I can't move because my arteries are too hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But once again, cigarettes. Yeah. And I and I think we have to acknowledge this <laughs> to anybody listening. Start smoking, because it, it, it's. But yeah, I it's the I, like last night. I didn't go to bed until three thirty in the morning. Yeah. Twelve thirty at night, because like some sort of weird psychopathic owl who uh, <laughs> who has. Why go to bed before closing time? Yeah. There's no point, though. Like, these are your yes. people. You, otherwise, you don't see anybody. Yeah. Social <laughs> time. Because if you, if you leave the bar or the club right after the show is done, you've talked to approximately three people the entire day. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I thankfully brought my own feature on this weekend. and, and uh, so Who are you working with? Who's your, who's your feature? His, his name is James Ulas. He's, uh, he's a Canadian. So, but don't let that, you know, I'm sorry. A lot of funny people out of, why is that Maine? You're the only funny guy from Maine. And then you cross over to Canada and about 5,000 funny people. What the, what is up with that? I think there's a lot of funny people from Maine, but they leave. (laughs) Except for for Bob Marley. I mean, Bob Marley. Yeah, Bob is great. Bob's a great comic and a great human being. He is. uh, Yeah. So Bob's really great. Um, And he was like a big mentor 
you know, when I uh, started. I you know, you and I then have about uh, two degrees of separation. I'll tell you why. Because many, many, many years ago, uh, I lived, uh, I had a, uh, I went to uh, the Strasburg Institute in Los Angeles, and I had an apartment at the corner of Fountain and Gower, and a guy was living with a girl, but he'd pay me. He'd go, I'm going to pay you so I can just, in case she throws, she's too pretty. She's going to throw me. It was David Della Rocca who played the funny man in Boondock Saints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Bob and I have talked crazy. about this. Yeah. Yeah, so whatever Bob was in. Bo- to, yeah. Whatever happened to that dude? Does he still act? He was awesome. Can I tell you? This, uh, here's what I know. Okay. So I knew Dave when we were young, and he was a great guy. And I thought I was going to be a playwright, but I was really, um, I was selling plasma for beer money. So, you know, where that career went. <laughs> but I wrote, I wrote a one act about guys hitchhiking to Denver. Because I had hitchhiked yeah. to Denver a few times. There's times I'd be in St. Louis where construction, I'd put my tools down and go, I'll be back in a little bit. And I'd stick my fucking thumb out and go, I'm leaving. So yeah. I wrote this thing about two, and, and David was in that play. And we both worked for a bar chain that's gone now. Uh, and we both worked at a place called Sloan's in West Hollywood. And, and there was a place called the Ore House in Santa Monica. And they were like really crazy, drugged out bars with like wagon wheels hanging off the ceiling and shit. He was my roommate. The girl kicked him out. Um, then um, he stayed working there at Sloan's in West Hollywood and never did another thing. But there was a kid who worked the door there long after I sobered up and quit. A guy who was working there in the 90s was a doorman sitting with a yellow legal pad writing. And David gave him shit. Go, what are you supposed to be? What? He goes, well, there's nobody here. And it was uh, Troy who wrote Boondock oh, yeah. Saints. He'd look at David and go, when I make this movie, I'm putting you in it. There's a great story about... Troy standing up to Harvey Weinstein going, fuck you. I'm not putting Giovanni Ribellisi in a movie. I'm putting my buddy in. And uh, uh, he did that movie. Ben, he did that movie. And then uh, the last I talked to Bob about, uh, he may not remember, I was doing business with the club, and Bob was there, and we talked about this. He probably wouldn't remember me. But uh, I think David's like just teaching high school. He never had any fucking ambition. David De La Rocca had no ambition Great actor, he was great so guy. Good in that movie. Yeah, he was like he was really great and really funny, like totally believable as that as that character. Yeah, that's the story of that movie. They made a documentary about it, right? Like, yeah, the story of the making of Boondock Saints is pretty insane. Like the fact that that was even made was just purely on the back of like that dude Troy, like just it being from what it looked like, kind of a maniac and like like going after what he wanted and telling a lot of people to screw up. And it was kind of impressive. Well, you know, know I, I hung out with him for a while in, in the late nineties. I was working on a project with a guy named uh, Rich Scheidner and uh, uh, our pro- our project didn't happen, but we were, we were working on it. And I heard this story of, I'd quit working at this bar Sloan's in West Hollywood in the mid eighties when uh, I got sober and started touring. It's anyway. And I heard this story of this guy and that, that, he bought the bar to make a movie, blah, blah, blah. And I, I went down there, and he was still hanging out down there. Troy was, And he was sitting in the, the end of the bar wearing overalls and a plaid shirt. He looked like he was from Maine. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I got, someone introduced me, and I sat there talking with him. And he told me the story of making the movie, and he told me the story of standing up to Harvey Weinstein because they wanted Giovanni Ribellisi to play the, uh, the funny man part. And he goes, no, I promised my buddy. You know, and uh, a lot of people say they make him out to be insane, but he, it's, guys like him are the guys who sit there 
staring at their shoes one day and go, I got a fucking idea. And then the next thing you know, it becomes one of the great cult classics. So, yeah, he was an interesting guy. I have a, a feeling that to a certain extent in Hollywood to get projects made the way you want them to be done, you have to convince people you're unhinged. Yeah. Like that if they get their hands in it, that you may lose it. Because if you hear about the dude who does like Sons of Anarchy, there's tons of shows. Kurt, like, yeah. And Mayans, there's stories about how he is. And like, you know, there's stories abound about about the people who took control of their show and they get a rep for being difficult. But I think it's because they take control of it and they become like, like dictatorial because there are a lot of people who want to put their hands in it, you know? So I don't blame them. I mean, it's not easy to get a movie made and he did it. So, you know, good on him. You know, like, you know, do you know the David Milch story? You know, David Milch who created, you know, oh, yeah. and, and you know, and, and you know what happened with David? You know, yeah. uh, and, and it's like, and it made absolute sense. When I knew a lot of people that worked on the show. I knew him through a couple of people. I never, I think I met him once maybe, but it was like, hi, how are you? And that was it. And then when I heard the story, I go, that makes absolute sense. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've it's ever, in, in your, since you've, since, since you got sober, I don't know if you're a pro, you know, this is, you know, program guy, you did it on your own or you just grit your teeth, but. You'll meet these guys, they get sober, and then a couple of years later, they go, uh, I just gambled away $3 million. I go, what the fuck? And they go, well, you know. I our- know, Milch is crazy with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many shows has that dude made? He made Luck, he made, like... Uh, John from uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah. But Deadwood, you know, I mean, obviously is... Or well, wait, did he make Deadwood or The Wire? He made he made Deadwood. Uh, it's David yeah. Simon made The Wire. Yeah, and we, yeah. Deadwood is like one of the greatest. You can go all the way back to the first flicker, all the way up, and, and you go Deadwood's in the top five of anything that has ever been done in front of a camera. It's one of the best shows. It's my favorite show of all time. And he and I couldn't stand John from Cincinnati. No. Uh, and I couldn't, and, but I mean, he's made a ton of stuff, didn't he? He was like a creator of NYPD like, blue. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and he gambled it all away on horse racing. <laughs> that is old timey. That's like, that's some old timey stuff. That's like finding out that he was seriously injured in a duel. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's at 16 paces, and yeah, he, yeah, he and Vince Gilligan, uh, they got into a, into a duel uh, over which was better, Breaking Bad or Deadwood. But I heard about that, and, and it kind of makes me sad, and it, it, we were talking about this last night, the feature and I. Uh, when I quit drinking, I went to rehab. I have I just white-knuckled it since then. Um, I don't really go to meetings I should, but it's just time thing. And, uh, but like this sweet tooth came out. Yeah. And now I'm like, dude, I thought that that was all like myth. I was like, oh, it doesn't. What do these people are just turn into mental puzzle women? You know what I mean? <laughs> once they quit. <laughs> but <laughs> once I quit drinking, I'm like, I can't eat. A, there's not enough dark chocolate in the world <laughs> to like make me happy. Like, I feel like I eat chocolate to chase some sort of darkness that's following me. (laughs) And you probably didn't eat a lot of candy when you drank. No, I didn't. I was never a sweets person. And now I'm like, oh, man, it's the way you get your dopamine now. You know, like I 
the way I'd fill my head with like any kind of good vibes, you know, that's my, that's my tolerate people candy. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Lizzie, you know, I, I, um, I, the doctor told me to go, listen, one more test and then you're diabetic. They go, um, are you going to have to lose weight? I go, the next time I lose weight is because you're removing a toe because of diabetes. I don't think... <laughs> that's the only way yeah, I'm, I'm losing. <laughs> but it is a gigantic toe. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah. You. I mean, there yeah. will be an. It's a hammer toe. <laughs> uh, stop, hammer toe. Come on now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's a weird thing to find other addictions that come out, and then it, it is weird that I've seen now that like you realize quickly it's less about the substance and it's more about a way of thinking. Yeah. That, you, that people who are addicts have and that's totally how i am i'm i'm obsessive about things you know and it, it doesn't matter what it is in my life i just i become meticulous and obsessive and trying to channel that into positive things is i'm compulsive because really there, there's a, yeah there's all those different aspects there's obsessive and then and i and i sit there and i go i'm compulsive because right after i stop drinking i go you can drink coffee and all of a sudden i'm drinking like three gallons of coffee i'm drinking i'm waking up <laughs> i'm waking up every hour to have a cup of coffee and i get my coffee you know, uh, uh, I used to, I would, I, I would, I quit smoking years after I got sober. I, I'd like fall asleep with a cigarette in my mouth going, if I put it right here, when it falls, it'll hit my cheek. It'll burn and let me know. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, they call that, they call that the old Richmond alarm clock. That's yeah. what they call it. <laughs> 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 uh, funny yeah, yeah woke up with the old just a dude who's got like a series of serious is that acne no 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 he's, he's burning himself well now they go mold. cool tat dude you know <laughs> <laughs> no he's not he's he's narcoleptic <laughs> uh, what, a, what an awful combination of being a heavy smoker and narcoleptic um yeah. Only hair on half of your head, the other half is all <laughs> the skin's all mottled. Yeah, like Two Face from yeah. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I you know what? I um uh, I would I would keep you on and uh you you'd miss your I I've so enjoyed this. I appreciate I've heard about you for years. Uh used yeah. to used to come I know you came to some of the other clubs in town before. Yeah. Um used to come to a Club in town where uh, the guy who owned it, he and I were um, not friends. And um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I have an idea of which club, <laughs> what club that is. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, I. It's great to be doing stuff at Rick, Rick's club because they've been, you know, I mean, this this happened to open while I was in production, and so when I they, you know, I've done Edmonton and Minneapolis, and then they were like, we now have one in Scottsdale, so it worked out perfect. And it's great. Thank you both for letting me come on and this was really fun and i'm telling you if you're doing that's a bit like about how smoking brought people together it's dark and right up my alley <laughs> i swear we're gonna do this week you know what i'll run with it for a while of it you know we'll talk we'll talk more i'm just you know <laughs> i i give a uh, i sell a lot of jokes at this point and i give a lot of jokes away and and um, I, I didn't want to reveal to you to the very end i also teach a workshop because i know that you have some opinions on that but um I don't really have much opinion. Do okay. whatever. Okay, but uh, <laughs> do what you want. I don't care. What are you, queer? Um, <laughs> what, are you, what are you asking my opinion, you flower? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll talk more, man. I uh, so uh, this is uh, I've loved this interview. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. 
No problem. You both have a great day. Thanks again. All right, Ben Roy. Thank you. Yeah, bye. That is, um, that is actually why, um, there's times I think about not doing this anymore. I go, well, what am I doing? Is it podcast? But I, that's exactly why I do it. That guy is, uh, he is funny. He's fantastic. If you are looking for something to do tonight, Saturday, Sunday, run, don't walk, run down to Rick Bronson's House of Comedy and see a Ben Roy. It's at 5350 East High Street. How's that? That's a cheesy way to end this show, and I apologize for that. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. You know why? Because I haven't had breakfast, and uh, uh, I'm going to go have breakfast. I'm going uh, to do, I'm going to talk about doing something productive, and then I'm going to go take a swim and take a nap. I'll see you tonight, by the way, at 7.30 at the Tempe Center for the Arts for the Class Clown Show. Monday night, we got a free intro to our stand-up comedy workshop. Man, we'll check that out. For everyone that listened, thank you for listening, for every download, and thank you for downloading to my wife, Shirley. Thank you for producing the show. That's it. Bye-bye. For the dignity of man and the destiny of man. <laughs> every man of both parties.